are listening to a Commonwealth Bank of Australia Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. This podcast provides general market-related information and is not intended to be an investment research report. The information contained in this podcast is based on previously published material, and before listening, you're advised to read the full Global Economic and Markets Research Disclaimers, which can be found at combankresearch.com.au. Welcome to the Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. My name is Belinda Allen and I'm a Senior Economist here at ComBank and today I'm joined by the Head of Australian Economics, Gareth Aird. Gareth, good to have you on. G'day Belinda, it's nice to be here. It's um, still a grey old day out there but fortunately it's stopped raining so and the, um, hopefully the, the worst of it's behind us. That's right and it feels a whole lot less humid today, thankfully. Let's hope it stays dry for school pick-up. Uh, so I was just thinking it's the 9th of March. It already feels like a long month. There's just been so much happening both locally and globally, particularly since I think you and I did our last podcast. We've had some updated messaging from the Reserve Bank of Australia, which we'll touch on. We've had obviously the invasion of the Ukraine by Russia, which has put a big lift on commodity prices, particularly oil, which feeds through into petrol prices, gas prices, wheat prices, and that's going to feed through into higher food prices as well. And here in Australia, we've obviously had uh, the devastating floods in New South Wales and Queensland as well, which not only does it impact those communities involved, but also does have an economic consequence as well. So Gareth, there is just, and I haven't even mentioned the Q4 GDP data that we got out last week as well. So there's just so much going on. So it's a great time to get your uh, great insights on that. Let's start with the RBA. Uh, the March board meeting was last week. They made some subtle changes to their language around what they're looking for. No longer are they just looking at wages growth, they're looking at broader measures of labour costs. We heard from the governor again today at the AFR summit and really it was the first time or maybe the second time they'd really committed to the fact that they might need to lift rates this year but also they're starting to think about having to fight inflation. That's, that's right. Look, there's a, a lot going on, as you say, and I think, um, I think there's a reason why economists like to point out that they don't have a crystal ball. Mm. There's a lot of what's happened more recently uh, no one could predict, um, particularly the floods here in, in Australia mm. and also uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine has, has sent financial markets into a bit of a flux. So there's lots going on, uh, not least the fact that the domestic economy has been doing very well. Yes. And you alluded to the national accounts, which came out last week, and they confirmed that the Australian economy ended 2021 with very strong momentum behind it. That's continued through to the early part of this year and the domestic economic backdrop still looks very good. Um, it was very timely, I think, today to, to hear from the Reserve Bank Governor given there were so many things uh, that it was we were interested to hear uh, his take on. And in many ways, there's there was different messages in uh, his speech today. And I think you know, for a lot of sell-side analysts like us, um, there was something in it for everyone. Um, no, <laughs> you know, in yeah, a lot of ways, you can true. you can you can read RBA communications sometimes with a confirmation bias. So you're kind of looking for something um, that that supports your narrative or your or your call. And I thought today there was quite a bit in there actually that that supported our view that uh, an increase in in the cash rate is actually not too far away. Um, some of that came through in the Q and A, and we can mm. delve into it. But and the, the the main message I think today from the RBA governor was that the domestic economy still looks very good, but there's still 
there's, there's, there's more uncertainty now out there because of what's happened uh, with Russia's invasion of the Ukraine. I think he downplayed um, the impact of, of the floods in terms of the medium economic yes. outlook here, and I think, I think that's right. Um, and he's also uh, now far more, I think, open to the idea that inflation is going to end up surprising them to the upside, and there could be too much of a good thing, um, and that it's possible that inflation expectations actually ratchet up, and therefore, and then this was almost the concluding part of the government's speech, that the RBA could become inflation fighters mm. once again. Um, so, you know, a lot, a lot in it. Yes. And, um, <laughs> but, but, uh, but, but plenty there, I think, to support our view that a rate rise isn't too far away. That's right. So just for all our listeners out there, we changed our call from August to June after Governor Lowe's semi-annual testimony before Parliament uh, back in February. So in that speech, he said that they really wanted to see uh, a couple more CPI prints before lifting the cash rate. And that was kind of maybe the first admission that it was getting closer. But our view has always been the Q121 CPI print that we get out in late April is going to be big enough to give them enough evidence to lift the cash rate before seeing a second CPI print. So that's why we have June. So he, he kind of talked a little bit more about that today and, and conceded that they didn't have to see two more CPI prints. That's exactly right. The governor was asked a, a really good question, I thought. Pretty um, by the, the moderator, yeah, John Keogh, who said, um, you know, you'd mentioned in the past that you'd like to see a couple more CPIs um, before being able to conclude that inflation sustainably within the target range. Is, is that still the case? Do you Do you need to see two more CPIs and the governor said uh, look you know, we don't we don't have a plan and, and what he meant by that is we don't have to see two in particular which is really supportive mm. of our call um, in, in a lot of ways the timing of when we pulled our last our call forward from August to June for the first increase in the cash rate looks sort of counterintuitive because we did it off the back of the governor actually making those comments around it being it would be good to see a couple more CPIs. But our interpretation was a couple more CPIs in line with their forecast is probably what they need to see. But it can't just be a couple not conditional on what's mm. actually in the CPIs. And if the next one's uh, strong enough, which is what we're forecasting, then you wouldn't need a couple more CPIs to be comfortable with the idea that inflation pressures are genuinely here. So the fact that the governor answered the question in that way uh, was very encouraging for us. Um, you know, obviously, the, the CPI has to be strong enough for them to only need one. But I think uh, on our forecast, it will be. And then it comes down to some of the other things that they're looking for still around uh, wages growth. They've broadened the definition there of what they're looking for to labour costs. Uh, and again, I think that's encouraging of our, of our call because you know, they're not sort of beholden to uh, the, the, the wage price index printing at a particular level. And then, of course, the unemployment rate is still very important as well. And and measures of labour demand are looking very good. The unemployment rate should continue to drop. And all of that feeds into our view that um, a rate hike is, what, I guess three months away now. Yeah. Um, so the time the time's shrinking, but three months is still a long time based on everything that's going on at the moment. Yes, that's right. And I just think everything that's happening in the last month as well, we can obviously get uh, more events over the next three months that obviously, uh, you know, does change the dial a little bit as well. But I, I want to talk about the inflation pressures that are building not only from the domestic economy but also what we've seen from the floods and Ukraine in a minute. Before we get there, I just do want to talk about 
labour costs though because that has been quite important their change in language and certainly what we're seeing beyond the pure wage price measure and that lifted by 2.3 percent for the fourth quarter of last year broader measures of labour costs so that can be wages including bonuses and national accounts measure our own internal cba data is certainly showing that those broader labour costs are rising that, that, that's exactly right, and I think um, I think that focus on broader measures of um, of labour costs and not just the wage price index itself is, is healthy um, because you're picking up a little bit more than what the synthesised kind of wage price mm. index um, um, picks up, and that that is a slower moving uh, index. It takes a while to um, to I think reflect what's actually going on out there. So by broadening the focus, uh, that means that you know, the Reserve Bank. Is, is open-minded, I think, to the idea that wages is probably growing more than is indicated by that wage price index. That's exactly what should be happening, given how tight mm. the labour market is. Um, you know, we've got an unemployment rate uh, at the moment of 4.2%. That's where it's printed for the last two months. Um, and over the period where the wage price index was, was taken, um, the, the most recent one, Q4, the wage, the, the unemployment rate averaged quite a bit higher yeah. at 4.8%. So that tightening labour market will generate uh, further upward pressure on wages. That's exactly what the central bank's been trying to engineer. Um, it'll, it'll, it's showing up early signs in, in other measures uh, rather than the wage price index itself, although we should still say that the 0.7% increase on the quarter in the Q4 wage price index was still its strongest quarterly increase since 2014. Yes. So directionally, everything's heading very good uh, in, in the right, um, the desired direction. Um, and I think given that there's a, a broader focus now than just the wage price index, we can be comfortable that, um, that some of that other data matters more than what we might have thought before the Reserve Bank made that formal shift to labour costs. So the Ukraine and the floods uh, will have an impact on inflation. Uh, so... Ukraine, obviously, we've seen uh, the increase in the oil price given Russia's a very large oil producer. Uh, that's already adding on to what was already a rising oil price anyway as mobility get back to normal and there's still supply constraints in terms of oil supply. The floods as well will lead to higher fruit and vegetable prices. That's what we've seen in previous floods, particularly back in the late 2010, early 2011 floods in Australia where we did see an impact to growth in the quarter where the floods are, but then obviously a rebuild program there. What's your current thinking around the impact from those two significant events? Look, in, in the short run, there'll be quite a significant kick to headline inflation mm. uh, because of the, the much higher oil price. That's that's the most obvious channel that that's going to filter through to us here in Australia. And then domestically, the floods are probably going to put some upward pressure uh, on food prices, uh, and that's what happened um, more than 10 years ago when we had the floods in, in Queensland. So the, the central bank will, will largely look through that. Um, their, their focus is really on the core measure of inflation. But even before all this happened, we still expected a, a red-hot print uh, because domestically inflation pressures have been building in line with a very tight labour market, in line with an economy that's been doing very well, and in line with the household sector sitting a lot of saving on a lot of savings that um, you know, they can uh, deploy, and that puts uh, upward pressure on prices. And so we've sort of headed into this um, these couple of shocks, if you like, mm. with prices already rising and inflation pressures already building. And, and we saw that, of course, in the Q, Q4 CPI. Um, so really, we've just had what we're going to see is further upward pressure 
put on inflation because of these these events. But it's our view that 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 up, further upward pressure on inflation is not going to derail um, what will be, in our view, a, a very strong 2022 for the Australian economy. And I think that's where um, and there's lot, lots of um, the, the word stagflation is floating around mm. quite a bit at the moment. I don't think, though, that applies to Australia. Um, to get stagflation, you need two things. You need higher inflation and you need stagnation. And what I think we'll see in Australia is higher inflation but still strong um, growth. And that'll be because um, you know, the household sector's sitting on lots of savings. Business investment looks very healthy. Resi construction's very buoyant. Lots of public demand coming through. All of that supports the economy. So we still end up with good growth, but we do end up with higher prices and that's where, of course, we think the Reserve Bank responds to that by normalising the cash rate. So we've got the cash rate going in June, so from its current 0.1% to 0.25% in June, and then a steady flow of rate rises up until the first quarter of 2023, where we have the cash rate kind of topping out at 1.25%. Now, this 1.25% that we've had in place for quite some time, is based on household debt serviceability and what happens with that. But also uh, our colleague Stephen Wu just published a report uh, yesterday on the neutral cash rate in Australia. So doing some really great modelling work there uh, based on some offshore models about that neutral cash rate. But once again, that reinforces the view that it's going to be a shallow rate hike cycle by the RBA. That, that's right. Um, it, it, it's interesting in some sense because we've had this sort of hawkish call out there on when the Reserve Bank yeah, will actually get around yeah. to raising the cash rate. And we, we've been on the hawkish side of the fence um, for a long time now and talking about how inflation pressures would come through you know, earlier than a lot of people expected. And you know, that, that has been our sort of narrative um, for over a year now. But we're, we, we find ourselves in a, in a situation though which is a little bit different in terms of the the, what the tightening cycle actually mm. looks like by landing on a, a rate uh, which is lower than a lot of other commentators in terms of how high the RBA will take the cash rate. And so we've got them kicking off in June this year and, and getting to one and a quarter percent by the early part of next year. But then we see them sitting on the sidelines mm. through 2023. And there's a few reasons for that. Um, one is that by the time the cash rate's at one and a quarter percent, uh, mortgage repayments as a share of household disposable income will be back to their historic average. Mm. Um, and the reason that repayments go up so quickly is because households are sitting on a record amount of debt because they've been using low interest rates to borrow more. That's gone into the housing market. But it does mean then when rates go up, it has quite an immediate impact and a large impact on household finances. And the other thing as we move through 2023 is that about 20% of the total loan book, uh, the mortgage book out there, uh, is is on fixed rates that expire in 2023. And so if, if we're right on the cash rate and the RBA is taking it to around 1.25% by the beginning of next year, as we go through 2023, there'll be lots of borrowers who will be rolling off a fixed rate, um, somewhere around 2.25% because they would have fixed at the, these record low rates during the pandemic. And they'll be rolling off onto a rate which is materially higher than that two and a quarter percent. So that means you get a natural tightening um, coming through over 2023, even without the Reserve Bank continuing to raise interest rates. So that's one way that we've sort of arrived at this idea that they they, they stop at around one and a quarter percent. And then the the work that Stephen Wu did, mm. uh, which is really an academic look 
at what, where the neutral uh, cash rate might be, um, coming at it through a different approach, he's also landed on a very similar rate. Um, so we've got a few pieces of information or evidence, if you like, that, that's supportive of the idea that the Reserve Bank, um, once they get their tightening cycle underway, don't actually uh, need need to, to, to do it too much. And I think it's worth thinking about that once rates start going up, things start to change. And it's been so long since um, households in Australia yeah. have experienced rising interest rates and no one really knows how households are going to react. Um, you know, the economy looks very, very good at the moment. But you know, things like consumer confidence and, and house prices and, and credit, all those yeah. things start to change with rates going up. And once we get a better sense on the behavioural changes that are taking place with higher rates, you know, we'll, we'll have more conviction then on where we think you know, the RBA will eventually take interest rates. Um, but you know, it, it will be a new experience for a lot of households. Households won't know how high rates are actually going to go, so they might start to, to change behaviour in anticipation that rates go up to a higher level than what they end up, and all of that will kind of start to slow the economy down a little bit. Uh, and that's really what, you, what you're doing when you're, when you're raising interest rates. It is hard to believe that the RBA hasn't lifted the cash rate since 2010. So, I mean, that's 12 years ago, uh, you know. So it will be, as you say, a big behavioural change for some households to have to deal with. And it's also going to have an impact on uh, dwelling prices. So you did publish some updated uh, house price forecasts uh, a bit over a week ago on the 1st of March. Just given we now expect the RBA to lift rates in June, it means house prices will peak earlier. We now expect them to be flat over 2022 and fall by 8% in 2023. That's right. No no real material mm. changes to our forecast for, for the housing market other than because we think the RBA will be raising the cash rate earlier than we previously thought. We just think that home prices peak um, a little bit earlier. And it's it's worth saying that the most recent core logic data is signaling that home prices have already um, peaked in Sydney and Melbourne. Yep. I mean, they've, they've, come, they've had an extraordinary run, uh, so we need to put the peak in context. But if, it, if it's the case that home prices have already peaked in, in Sydney and Melbourne, and that makes intuitive sense given affordability um, constraints and the fact that the fixed rates have already gone up, then it's very likely the prices start falling as soon as the RBA is raising the cash rate. So again, I think that also feeds into the view that yeah, they won't. They won't go too high. They they don't target home prices, but they do know that home prices have an impact on the economy, and you know falls in line with our expectation of you know eight to ten percent or so. Household sector will wear that, and it won't be a problem. But you know, if if the falls in home prices were too big, that would create some negative spillovers to the economy, and that is something that the Reserve Bank does not want to see. So there's there's a lot to play out here, and mm. I think it's going to be fascinating. And I think as well. Once the RBA finally does start to raise interest rates, um, they'll they'll need to then communicate to to us all what it is then that they're basing their decisions on around how high to go. Because right now they've been telling us it's it's around the inflation data and the unemployment rate uh, and, and wages, and and that's fine. They're all but they're all backward looking indicators. So yeah. in order to make sure you don't tighten too far, you need to shift your focus to sort of more forward-looking indicators of the economy. It'll be really interesting once the tightening cycle gets underway to better understand what it is that the Reserve Bank will be looking at to guide them on how high to to take the cash rate and at what pace they'll raise interest rates. So what you're telling me, Gareth, is we've still got a lot of work to do. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's lots. I mean, it's, it's, 
it's all very interesting. It is. And a, a timing cycle is uh, is something we haven't had to cover for a long yes. period of time. That's right. um, I think I think um, this is not just an Australian story here. It's a global tightening cycle, and there's so many other things going on in the world at the moment that make um, trying to forecast this uh, all, all, all difficult. But we yes. we give it our best um, crack, and that's why we call it a central scenario. And there's lots of risks, of course, to to our house view. Gareth, really appreciate your time and all to our listeners for uh, catching up on all these uh, big events that's happening in the Australian and global economy economy at the moment. Thanks for joining. Thanks, Belinda. Now, you can read Gareth Ayres' write-up of Governor Lowe's speech, which was published on the 9th of March 2022 on compactresearch.com.au and you can also find our research on the neutral cash rate and the GDP write-up and various other reports uh, on that website as well.